0: Today is Friday, May 14th, 2021, and this is the Cross-Border Interview's Political Roundtable. Welcome back to the Cross-Border Interview Podcast. Today, we're going to be doing something different. We were going to start this later on this month, but with everything going on in the world, uh, well, everything going on in Canada, and particular Alberta, in the last 24 hours, 48 hours, we thought we would start this today. Uh, from time to time, once a month, we will be having a guest on to talk about the biggest uh, news stories, political news stories in Canada and across Canada, provincial and municipal. Today, we have the amazing guest, third time showing up on the show, uh, conservative like me podcast host, Jen Sanford. Jen, thank you so much for doing this.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I think a better introduction is going to start to be like conservatives are not having a great time. Jennifer's back to explain why this is happening.
0: Exactly. That will be next month. Whenever whatever happens next month. Uh, Hopefully nothing happens next month. But uh, the biggest news story came uh, in Alberta, I think since the pandemic hit, came Mm -hmm. at five minutes to midnight on May 12th this week. Todd Lowen, the MLA conservative UCP caucus chair released a Facebook statement, five minutes to midnight saying that, and I'm quoting here. Uh, he felt that caucus could no longer function properly. He resigned as caucus chair so he could quote unquote, talk freely. And this is the biggest crack in Kenny's armor that I've seen since his leadership started, I know that many Albertans, and I'm quoting Todd Lowen's uh, 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 note that he sent to all caucus members. I know that many Albertans, including myself, no longer have confidence in your leadership. I thank you for your service, but I am asking you, asking that you resign so that you can that we can begin to put the province back together again. Unquote. As a conservative, as the Conservative Like Me podcast host, what did you think of this letter that Todd released, the MLA for Central uh, Peace Notley writing?
1: Well, you know, I have a couple of early thoughts. Uh, my first thought was that, uh, you know, the timing of this is really just, you know, utterly quite tragic. Um you know we we are you know in another lockdown um due to the pandemic like the timing of this you know i really agree with political scientist Dwayne brad on this that the timing is just really really garbage uh on this and um and and the other piece is like you know i i always ask the question like what is the long game right because what do we know right like you know, if you come for the King, you dare not miss, like you knew that this was going to lead to a vote. You knew that it probably was going to just lead to his, his, him being, you know, ousted and of course taking Drew Barnes with him because the guy that drives the getaway car is usually implicated. And so the, you know, the two of them are gone, but you know, what is, what is the goal here? What, like, what is the long-term goal here? Because he, you know, he really did violate the first law of power. So, you know, as a, as a PR person, I, you know, I'm really a disciplined advocate of like the 48 laws of power. And, you know, the first one is, you know, you never outshine the master. And so you knew that this was going to have a, you know, a correlated, you know, you, you knew it was going to be damaging. You knew it was going to, it was going to be a an important part of the news cycle. You knew likely you were going to be voted out. Right. And, um, yep. And then what? So like, what is the ultimate goal here? Is this is this about, you know, giving power to this new emer- newly emerging Wild Rose Independence Party of Alberta? Like, like, what is the goal here? And I think that that's not just a question we should be asking Todd Lowen and Drew Barnes. I think this is a great question we should be asking Brian Jean. And then I think counter, you know, in complementary to that question, we should be asking, uh, how can you morally justify doing this at a time where, you know, our leadership is absolutely... Paramount to get through this this third wave. I mean, you know, the timing of this is, is um, you know, to choose to be political at a time where we need to focus on health is um is is questioning. That all said, there is an important element of that letter that cannot be missed. And it's the part where he said that. There is not a place for caucus members and Albertans to be heard. And that cannot be ignored because this has been the central issue of the Kenny government is this is this continual epidemic of asymmetry where where it's like we will lead and you will be led. And Albertans are not going to tolerate that. And and what's more tragic to that is that conservatives won't tolerate that. And I think that's where you're seeing Kenny miss this, um, you know, this federal versus provincial infrastructure. Because federal really is like, thank you for your vote. I'll be in Ottawa. Look out for my newsletters. And that's really the infrastructure that he comes from. And he's largely supported by people who have come from the federal infrastructure. You've got you know Dustin Bedvot You've got. Um, uh, to Brock Harrison, they come from the federal infrastructure. So you've got this systemic issue of asymmetry. And so you know, now it's everywhere. Now Albertans have said, you know, we're not being heard. You know, unions have said, we're not being heard. everyday Albertans are saying, you know, we're not being heard. Now your own caucus is saying we're not being heard. Now the next pivot for Kenny will be the most important of his entire tenure as, as premier. And that cannot be missed. And that has to be a universal understanding, whether you self-identify as a conservative or a liberal or as whatever.
0: Because I, I think the biggest thing that uh, that letter sort of brought up and you you hit the hammer on the nail there was people aren't being listened to. Kenny made that a pinnacle of his leadership bid. He drove that big blue truck across mm-hmm. Alberta to listen to average Albertans. He said he would do that as leader. He has flipped 360 degrees and said, we're not doing that anymore. We're leading by this Emergency caucus or cabinet uh, executive, which has six cabinet members and one uh, backbencher on it. And he has become so ingrained in just everything's through that and him and left the decision making that people were elected to do out. I don't understand his end game. I don't understand his end game with that whole strategy, but I also agree with you what I don't understand Todd's Todd Lowen's end game strategy of releasing this letter on a Wednesday at midnight and not having anyone to come to his rescue. Yes. One MLA did say we, I agree. I'm hearing the same thing. That was, uh, I think it was, uh, Hanson, Dave Hanson up in, uh, Bonneville, St. Paul, Cold Lake. He said that he had been hearing the same things. Nothing came of him. But the end game for both of these for Kenny and Lowen, are not set out. And I don't think they understand what they're doing.
1: Yeah, you know, I think but I think it's happening. I think it's I think it's something on both sides. Right. So you've talked about, you know. Kenny absolutely having flipped on, on this, on this issue of, of disclosure and conversations with Albertans and, and then he, you know, and then he touts it out exactly when he shouldn't. I mean, I talk in my podcast about how when they lost the Supreme court bid for the carbon tax, which you knew they were going to, you know, Alberta should have announced a cap and trade agreement with California that day. And instead, then he chooses to say, well, we got to go back and have conversations with Albertans. And it's like, well, not on this, this, yeah. on the other stuff. And so, you know, that my frustration there is twofold, but, but, but something that, that, that really matters here is that like, where are the pivots for everybody? So in my mind, I'm thinking, and this is where I realize how maybe out of touch I am now. In my mind, I'm thinking today, today's news cycle or last night's or last night's pivots, thanks to the advent of social media should have been for Todd to say, I'm out. I knew I'd be out. Now this is my new pivot, right? Where I'm moving over to the Wildrose Independence Party. You know, I, we have a different vision. We want Albertans to start to come with us. You know, wh- where was his pivot, but more importantly, where was Kenny's pivot? right? The only pivot he has left is to say, this is not working, right? Because he's largely been doing really what human behavior tells us we do. When you have headwinds with, uh, with your general public, you have a tendency to turn within your base. And when you have headwinds within your party, you have a tendency to go very quiet. So he's really done what human behavior would tell us that he would do. And I think he's been largely supported by exactly what you said, that emergency group that he can just really tighten the circle and, and sort of, you know, operate in a in a in an echo chamber as, as long as he can but now now we're now he's in real trouble right now he's in real trouble and so like i'm i'm shocked that the pivot this morning isn't you know, now we need to have conversations with Albertans. That tells me he's getting, you know, terrible, terrible advice um, from especially within his communications infrastructure. And I hate to be hard on another communicator because I am a communicator, but because I am a communicator, I will just come out here and say like, now now where's the pivot? Now where's, you know, I've I've got to atone for some of the things I've done wrong. I've got to really get back to being statesman-like. I really have to show people my vision for Alberta. I've got to get real humble here. And I've got to just sort of, you know, take it one step at a time. The fact that that work didn't begin last night, you know, now we're into the next day. I'll be interested to see how, how relevant my words are here in a week when, when people listen to this podcast later, but the question then becomes, you know, you've, you've got to get talking to Albertans now. And, and to be fair, you've got to start with conservatives because it's getting real hard to defend some of the things that are, that are happening uh, inside his leadership and and with some of the choices that he's making.
0: Well, one of the things that like as a communications person myself, one of the things that I found very troublesome was where was Kenny yesterday? Where was he? Oh yeah. Like, okay. He put out a tweet. I'm assuming that he didn't visit yesterday, but he was in the Genesis center up in the Northeast of Calgary. Hey, we're here. Okay. Why aren't you talking about the big news story? You need to get in front of the camera and talk to media. Yes. You're not a big fan of the media. We all understand that, but you need to be in front of the camera and say, everything is good. The conservative party is united. Yes. We have two people who don't agree full heartedly with my leadership, but I am the leader. I'm making the decisions. I'm making the decisions best for Albertans that I believe are best for Albertans. And this is how we're going to go forward. But he was nowhere. It looked to me like he was a weak leader yesterday. And yes, yeah. with a revolt, you always look like a weak leader, but it, hit him hard yesterday the hardest i've ever seen someone hit jason kenny
1: yeah absolutely and like i said with this problem with asymmetry right we've we've got you know one side talking and not the other side being heard and then what is the strategy yesterday it's a continual choice to have a lot of asymmetry i i watched kenny all day on, on Twitter, just to see if there was going to be something right. Like write something. And the only thing we received at what, like nine 30 at night was, Hey, we have this great uh, film development project that's coming. And, you know, we, we invite, you know, Albertans to be part of it. And it's like, uh, yeah, I would have probably pulled that. um, And I would have probably chosen uh, to say something different, even if he would have said, now I'm going to speak at five minutes to midnight and I'm going to say something. I, I, you know, it's, uh, it's, the other piece of this that really cannot be missed it really really cannot be missed is that you you do run the risk of being tremendously afoul to the federal message here because don't forget like like in my office, I got a great gift once it's this little, um, it's a little crocheted Justin Trudeau on a unicorn with a little rainbow behind. And it says, everyone who disagrees with me is intolerant. And that has been my beef with, uh, Trudeau since he has been the prime minister. Uh, we can just ask Jane and Selena and Jody, uh, how they feel about that. I'm pretty united with their point of view, which is that, you know, we need, a. a a marketplace of ideas we need dissent dissent is important and we always empower people to say that sometimes the best place to be a change maker is from the inside and we certainly now see a, a federal uh, a federal effort from the conservatives to stop bill c10 which is all about like we need to have you know freedom of expression we need to be able to have dissenting opinions we need to be able to you know not we're not going to govern free speech and then right here on the, <laughs> at the provincial level it's like any Anybody who disagrees with me is out. Now, loyalty is a different thing, and you know that that, that Lowen and Barnes had the, had it in their in their sights that they would be expelled from from caucus, and and they took the first dig by by resigning. I get that totally, but you know there there has to be some narrative here that says, listen, we know that this party is ever evolving. We know that we are the result of a of a merger. Um, we have to we have to have these conversations. And then this quintessential, I call it the Oprahism of politics for a political leader to say, I see you, I hear you. And and the message that is ricocheting has been heard and valued. And the fact that that has been met with complete silence makes me very, very nervous um, for what the next for for really what's happening in the infrastructure of of the Kenny government. I don't I don't quite get it. I want to help, but I don't know how.
0: Do you think Kenny called Lowen?
1: Oh I would yo yeah I think yo yeah I think Do you think there was a conversation yeah, sure between do. the two of them? Oh, I sure do. I sure do. Yeah, I sure And do you do. think
0: that's what led to the emergency debate or the emergency emergency caucus meeting?
1: No, I think he would have been given good advice that this is the next thing he needed to to do. I think the first thing you think in your mind Oh, I wonder if I'm right about this. The first thing that you think in your mind is I got to figure out who's with me and who's not. We got to we got to get together as a group and figure out Like what, what's, what is the lay of the land here? Like how systemic is this? Right. Because Lowen, in his language certainly spoke as though he was speaking for a lot of individuals, right? We feel, we believe. Um, So you got to kind of figure out who's with you and who's against you.
0: Yeah. And this, this has been coming, I'd say coming to a steady boil here for a while. These we've been hearing reports for over the last, I would say probably five or six months of constituents associations in rural ridings calling for a leadership review of Jason Kenney because they think they are, he is out of touch with rural voters, which is his bedrock of support, which pushed him over the, uh, I would say, pushed him over the majority mandate, but that's where he got his support was rural ridings. And if you are seeing rural ridings and constituents associations calling for a leadership review, which they've scheduled one next year, which I think is probably going to be a little bit sooner after yesterday's uh, challenge um, is Jason Kenney just out of touch with Albertans. Has he been in, was he in Ottawa too long to be completely out of touch with everything that's going on in Alberta? Or is it just the pandemic, do you think?
1: You know, I'm not sure if it's either of those things. I think that it's just that he's been he's he's turned inward in an effort to govern for so long that now we're all guessing what is what is Jason Kenney today. And that's that's really the position that I'm in this morning is. You've got to sir, you've got to start talking because now we're guessing you and I are guessing on a podcast. Um, last, you know, we're going to listen to the strategist with Stephen Carter and, and his, his, his band of friends. And they're going to say the same thing. You know, we're guessing we're, we're all guessing what he's thinking. He's got to start talking. He's got to either be on, on your podcast or he's got to come to mine. and he has to start talking about like what's going on. And, and the big question, which I thought maybe, um, John uh, Braid's article this morning was going to reveal is what really wor- was the precursor to Todd's letter yesterday and how bad is it in that UCP caucus? How mad are those rural MLAs? What What is really going on inside the UCP? Someone's got to re- start to reveal that to us so that we can we can see it. Was this just like a, a you know, a disgruntled duo um, who is is really feeling like their best chance is is with Brian Jean and whatever he's going to try to reimagine here, um, or is this just like everything is leading and this is the beginning of of something more to come? That's what we really need to know. And I think we also need to to need to be asking the premier these questions: is is you know what is happening? One of the one of the other questions that I think should come parlay to yours is, you know, I think we always knew I've, I've talked to, I think every time you've had me on, I've, I've hit, hit, this key message is I think we always knew that he wanted, Kenny wanted to come back and he wanted to sort of reclimate Alberta. He wanted to be sort of that, you know, that that's, that blue truck driving savior of Alberta. And he was going to use that as his marching orders back to Ottawa as, as a reason to govern uh, probably back at the federal level and maybe to take a good run at the leadership of the conservative party of Canada if that door has now closed to him, is he even still interested in being the premier? Right? Yeah. If you can't get your big goal, are you even still interested? And I think maybe he needs to get honest with Albertans to say, I, you know, I don't really know what Alberta needs, or this is what I think Alberta needs, or this is what I've learned. But in the absence of anything, all it is is, is people with you and I people like you and I trying to trying to sort of guess where he's at and he's not supported by great surrogates. That's the other, you know, sort of crippling effect that he has going with him is that he doesn't really have good advocates that are saying, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm hearing. And this is what I believe. He's got people who will regurgitate the message of the party. And then he's got, you know, sort of like the more vocal Matt and Brock, you know, Brock Harrison's who are going to, who are going to fight the good fight on, t- on Twitter. None of those things are helping, right? We need to have a conversation with the premier. Like, like let's get a little FDR going on we need some fireside chats man like we need to know that's why I was so happy to see him appear on Ryan Jasperson's show is I thought well this is a great start um now we got to take the reins off when he was on
0: 630 Chad like he hasn't appeared on Jasperson's podcast anytime soon
1: he was on last month
0: who Kenny Kenny.
1: yeah he was just on yeah he was just on Ryan's show Oh, shows you how much I pay
0: attention to his show. I mean, I, I listen to it every day.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. okay. That's, that's now, that's a fight between the two of you. I don't want to get in the middle, but no, he was on and he was, he, you could really see him trying to sort of take the the political veneer off and um, but you know, now he's got to go, he's got to go further. I've been very vocal. I like, let me just be honest. Like I'm trying to tout my own, my, my own uh, piece. I, you know, I am conservative at a time where it has really been difficult to be a conservative. Um, You know, I'm writing a, a thought leadership piece on the cost of conservative conservatism. And, you know, I certainly would like to give an hour of my podcast to have the, the, the premier come and talk about like, why are you doing this to us? Like help, help, help me help. you. I feel like Jared McGuire, help me help you. Um, because, uh, because we certainly need to hear him talk in a, in a humble fashion around where he's at, where he thought he would be, where he's going to go forward, atone for the things that didn't go right. And give us a vision, give us something Statesman like now, uh, because we certainly, we certainly deserve it. Uh, and then tell us what, what you're going to fight and what you're going to let go. Like, what are your hills to die on now? Um, you know, we know Alberta is going to be the last to recover. You know, we, we just, we need some, we need to hear it and we need to hear it without a lot of veneer on it. Um, so, you know, I, I hope if he's listening, I hope he's taking that. I hope if someone in the infrastructure is listening, that he takes that advice, whether it's your show, my show, he's it's, it's time to get, it's time to get humble and move forward. One
0: of the big things I want to uh, pick up on when you, what you were talking about with surrogates is, um, The UCP government does not have, in my opinion, any backbench surrogates who are out there towing the party line, cabinet ministers who are towing the party line when it comes to COVID. Yes, you have Tyler Shandro talking about it in his daily pressing. You have Doug Schweitzer talking about it in his daily press or his press briefings. You have Jason Kenney talking about it. The only person who's actually been out there on a national or even a provincial scale is drew barnes yes drew barnes is not the most toe the party line person you want out there talking about these issues but he's going on these independent shows he's going on jesperson he's going to the local media and talking about his constituents you are not seeing that from any other uh rural mla or any other even urban uh, mla Is that a disservice to Albertans that their MLAs aren't talking about the things that they need to be talking about when it comes to COVID? And is that a leadership style that Kenny brought in from Harper? Because Harper was the king of you stay on message. Only I talk because I'm the leader and I'm going to be talking about it.
1: You know what? I I wouldn't go as far as to say that this is a strategic choice. I think that this is just a choice um, about them looking at their constituents. And I think it is chaos in that party, inside that party. And I think that, that that has the ripple effect outside. I think it's not just what they're saying. I think it's also what they're not saying. I mean, I stand in absolute awe of what is happening with Angela Pitt in in her Airdrie writing. It is not what she says. It is what she is not saying that is, that is doing all the harm. I mean, listen, we have to extrapolate the overall government from the COVID response. We do have to look at them separately because they... You know, it's just this COVID response is such an outlier, right? I mean, we had so few options around how do we balance keeping this economy open um, and, and, and how do we keep people working? And at a time when we've been we're just in terrible shape as a province. Against, you know, public outcries for public safety. And you even hear, you know, everyday Albertans, they want both. I mean, I want everyone to have a a living working wage. I also don't want to see any more deaths due to COVID. I want both of these things at a time where it's impossible to get them congruently. I think most Albertans fall into that category. But this, you know, this You know, I, I appreciate that people are repping for their riding. I I've, I've lived in rural ridings for a lot of my life. So I always appreciate it when, when, a when an MLA is is unafraid to say, listen, I'm your advocate inside the ledge and I'm, I'm not afraid to have a little bit of tension to, 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 you know, to, to achieve your goals, but it is, it is particularly striking around how there is really an urban rural divide, um, within the, within the legislature and within the UCP party, um, you know, that's going to have to continue to be addressed and it's going to have to be continued addressed because of the human migration of, 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 uh, of Canadians. I mean, this isn't just a, pro- this is every province. I mean, yeah. 70% of us are, are now live in major cities. We still need to give a voice. I've, you know, as an advocate for farmers and, and as an advocate for, for rural people, I always think, you know, are their voices being heard in Ottawa? Are their voices being heard in Edmonton? Um, and, and I'm, 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 I'm reluctant to, to say like, we need to be more Towing of the line, but I think again, like where was the work to be done to have a, a, a cross balance? I mean, they certainly tried with this whole like hot zone of of urban uh, COVID cases versus you know the a, a different state of affairs for people who live in rural. I mean, they did try, uh, but still, the, he's not getting cooperation from from uh, from rural people, and it's and it's going to hurt them.
0: I want to pivot to a person you mentioned about five minutes into the interview. Um to the into the show, I should say. Brian Jean. Brian mm-hmm. Jean is the outlier in this whole scenario. Drew Barnes endorsed Kenny during the leadership. Todd Lowen endorsed Brian Jean during the leadership.
1: Yeah,
0: If you read that uh, that letter that Todd Lowen released yesterday, you could see Brian Jean in that letter. Oh, absolutely. And that is the thing that I think we all have to look at. Like you said, what is Brian Jean doing right now? Is Brian Jean trying to make a comeback or is he still pissed off at the leadership race that Jason Kenney quote unquote stole from him because the kamikaze candidate, all that fun stuff, but the vote happened. He won. Therefore, therefore uh, Jason Kenney is the premier right now. Is Brian Jean potentially making a comeback? Do you think?
1: You know, I don't know, Uh, but I think we'll know in the next few days. I think we'll know because this is now his window, right? This is the window, but you are absolutely right. That, um, that, that letter was the, was felt like the architecture of, of a Brian Jean narrative for sure. You know, I, so I was, I was on another podcast. I know how dare I, but I was on another podcast, the, the women of, of AB Polly with, uh, with Deirdre. And I, I was the, the woman that I was speaking with was, was Susan Elliott, who of course is a, is a longtime conservative party insider, And, you know, she raised such a valid point that made her so much smarter than me. Uh, But, uh, you know, to, to paraphrase it, she just said, like, this is now the bane of the existence of the Conservative Party federally and provincially is what is the goal? Is the goal to find the winner in the tent or is the goal to have electoral success? Because right now this ridiculousness is forfeiting electoral success and the numbers show it. I talked about it in my podcast. I called it electoral dysfunction, where both on the federal level and on the provincial level, if we went to the polls today, it would not be a favorable outcome for conservatives and this will continue to happen so long as we have this dissension within the tent. And so I think a really important question that someone should be asking Brian Jean is, is your goal to win at the destruction of this party? Or is your goal to find a way to be heard and to be constructive and to continue to have a conservative mandate in this province? Please state your objectives so that all Albertans can, can either fall in behind or crucify you in, in whatever way they see fit.
0: Okay, this is the part where we're going to disagree.
1: I can see the look on your face. You're uh, like, God, oh, no, no, Sanford,
0: being, no way. I, I'm looking at history here. This is not the first time the UC the Conservative Party or any version of a Conservative Party in Alberta has tried to eat its leader.
1: Yes, true.
0: I'm going to go through here right now. 2012. Uh sorry, sorry, I apologize, not 2012. 2010. Rod Anderson, Heather Forsyth, two conservative progressive conservatives crossed the floor to, become the, to join the Wild Rose Alliance, the then precursor to the Wild Rose Party. Mm-hmm. Literally 18 months later, Ed Stelmeck fell. The reason they crossed the floor was because of the handling of the budget. They actually went into a deficit for the first time. They were running uh, in the negative and the uh, Rob, Rob and Heather left. Two years later, Mr. And I just want to make sure I have it right here because I have it. Len Weber, Donna Kennedy Glanz. Two progressive conservatives left the caucus over Allison Redford's spending scandal over the Sky Palace, over her trip to South Africa with her daughter, so on and so forth. 5 yeah, days tough later, losses,
1: tough yeah. losses cuz I'm I was a big I am a big fan of Donna Kennedy.
0: 2 days, 5 days later after Donna Kennedy Glanz uh, resigned, Redford left. Are we we are we repeating history right now Are yep. we have two conservatives who just left the caucus while they'd be turfed or by themselves? Are we potentially seeing the down the final nail in Jason Kenney's political career that could lead to his departure?
1: Um, I, you know, I don't obviously this did not help, but I, you know, I don't think this is I think it's going to take more than these two. Um, I think it's going to take, it's going to take a, maybe this is the beginning of it. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny that you talk about how they eat their leader. They don't only <laughs> eat their leader, they eat their young. It's just, yep. and this is the thing it's because they're always iterative. They're always trying to figure out who will be the loudest voices to, to govern this party and will do so at the cost of electoral <laughs> success. Um, I, yeah, you know what? I think to, I think we're too early in this to to really know, uh, but I I do think that this is the battle to decide how, how, what is the vision of conservative conservatism in this province. Um, and but I, I I just I just. The difference between those two examples, which are great examples, are that it's it's something genuinely concrete. Um, this has a this is different because it's multiple things, right? It's not, and even Todd's Todd's the architecture of Todd's letter reveals that it's not just you know we think it's your handling of the pandemic. It's you don't hear us it's the pandemic. It's the urban rural divide. It's, um, you know, our role within the caucus. It's um, you know, your, your leadership strategy, your leadership style, the way in which you engage people. Um, It's, it's, it's it's like, it's too many things for it to be one thing to take you down. So I, you know, I think we have to wait, wait to see. Um, The one thing that, that is giving me pause to your question is the way in which yesterday's Confidence. Why would it? It's kind of quasi-confidence vote took place yesterday. It was not by secret ballot. U- UCP members had to just like stand on the carpet and say, "I'm I'm I'm in it to win it," or "I'm a dissenting voice." I would be really interested to have seen what yesterday would have looked like if it would have been by secret ballot, uh, because everybody's a different politician when they get to be nice and quiet. You know this. Yep,
0: I I, you just opened up the big. I literally have that in bold letters right now. Can we talk (laughs) about the Western Standard for like five seconds and say what the hell was the UCP thinking, leaking so much information yesterday? And Derek Fildebrandt's website probably had the best day of its political life (laughs) yesterday. (laughs) Totally, totally for. And for a party to leak information, I know leaks happen. Uh, you and I have both worked in provincial politics. Leaks happen and you usually know why they're happening.
1: Yeah. From why and from who and when and for what purpose. You always know. Leakers are so. I feel like this really was a little bit of um, Trump style politics getting into our political infrastructure, right? That the that the leak was a central strategy. And it was like, what a leak. Like what a constant sieve of, of, of information. Um yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I, <laughs> I'm not surprised you brought it up.
0: And Derek Vildebrandt, probably the one of the most anti-Kenny people out there right now, probably. because of everything that happened after the merger. He, he seemed to over, be overjoyed with the fact that everyone was talking about the Western standard. Um, Did the Western standard officially become a news organization yesterday with all the yes. leaks? That's what yes. I thought because the, the, <laughs> This is the part that pisses me off about the centrist and the lefts on, on Twitter. They will retweet everything that the Western standard just said, but then they'll come out and say, well, they're just a, they're just a kid at a candy store right now. And this is the only day that they'll talk about it. No, you just made them a news organization. You have literally just put them into the leagues of CBC, CTV. And I know those are too, a global the left has to realize the Western standard is now here to play and yeah. they are the voice of conservatism in Alberta, I believe.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, Not outside I of don't.
0: you, you're an amazing voice yeah. of conservatism. But- yeah,
1: No, but, but it, it, the consequences of that, right. I mean, it's such a, it's such a small f- part of conservatism, right it's not it's not going to be balanced it's not going to be there's going to be moments where it's not even going to be fair it's not going to be focused on policy i mean it's really important to know like who you've let into the candy store now uh, and and the consequences of of that right um so I, yeah, but I do think it was legitimized. and that's what tells me that this was so coordinated yesterday, right? Is that everybody had a role yesterday in, in creating a bad day for the for the leader. and and the, I think the western standard was an, it was, was a, a you know a, a, an important player in that. And that should reveal to you how orchestrated this is. It's important to note who will be first past the post today. Right? Will it be, you know, the UCP as a supporter of of, of Kenny through Central Comms? Will it be um, as as Will it be the Premier's Office as that infrastructure, or will it be? Um, you know, this wild rose independence party of Alberta, who will speak first? I mean, I'm shocked. We're recording this in the, mo- I thought for sure we'd be trying to juggle all of these key messages coming in and talking instead. You see you and I talking and it's silent, it's quiet. And, yeah. and, and that's, that is, uh, that is unnerving. That's unsettling to me.
0: Uh, usually after a big scandal like this, uh, I was, I was a reporter back in uh, Lloydminster when the Redford, Issues happen and I spoke to numerous MLAs around Alberta after uh, scandal after scandal was piling up under Redford and after someone leaves caucus, all the MLAs go out into their local newspaper and say we support the leader we support the leader, it will be interesting to see the local the weekly newspapers next week, see if they're local MLAs are actually towing party line. And if it's a sta- mm-hmm. if it's a like stamped uh, message that everyone will be releasing because the next few days, Kenny's leadership will be completely on the line.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So the question I guess becomes, will he be on your podcast or my podcast first? What's going to uh, rage? Hey, if he wants to you come on, bets?
0: If he wants to come on, I would totally have him on. If Drew Barnes wants to come on, he can come on. Uh, If Todd Lowen wants to come on, he can come on. But I've asked uh, a certain left wing party leader to come on and she has said no. So.
1: Oh, Mm. Mm. whatever. It is what it is.
0: Exactly. Hey, I'm the voice of some person in Calgary. I want to talk for a second before we go to our second uh, topic. We now have three independent MLAs. I did research on this last night, and I, uh, I was so impressed that I did research on this last night. In Alberta, four part, four, four, members officially gives you uh, official party, party status. status in the Alberta legislature. In 2008, the NDP under Brian Mason, and then only at that time, Rachel Notley, had official party status in 2008 with two MLAs. If Drew Barnes and Todd Lowen tomorrow or today goes to the speaker, Nathan Cooper, and says, hey, we are going to be the independent conservative party, the ICP against the UCP, they would have more power in the legislature than sitting as independents. That's right. Could potentially we see the rise of a independent conservative, a wild rose, a, uh, independent party because i don't think todd Lone is an independent person an independent uh, independent alberta person but i could be wrong do you think that they should join together and actually have more sway in that legislature than just being independent
1: well this will reveal just how conservative i am i think um you know what i th- do i think <laughs> that's a loaded question do i think yep. they will perhaps uh i think if they do they're going to take more people with them than they think I think that you, you could be looking at like the end, like I mentioned Angela Pitt; She would be a great person to defect. Um, I think Hanson would defect as well. Dave yeah, would I agree. There. To- totally. I think everybody like North of Westlock might, might join that infrastructure as well. Um, uh, so do, do I think they will, I think that there's a high chance that they're having those conversations today because I don't think it's just you that you and I that have figured this out. Um And if there's a lot of people behind the strings, like a Brian Jean or a Derek Fildebrandt, like, you know, that they're, that, that, that conversation is happening now. Do I think they should? Uh, no, I don't. (laughs) No, I don't. You know, I, I love the law of, of government. I love the laws of government. I've never been a really big fan of try to find every maneuver. Um, I think if you don't want Kenny as your leader, then force a leadership review and let's get a leader that we want then do the work, do the adaptive work. That's just the type of person that I am. Um, I don't think you just need to cripple it and cripple it and cripple it until it's broken. And in the meantime, you can't get anything done and you're doing nothing, but then giving fundraising power to um, to, to, to the NDP. And plus like one of the, I can't believe we've gotten this far and not talked about the Alberta party. Like really the Alberta party, all they need to do is I'm, I just, I feel like they're the Carly Rae Jepsen of politics now. Like, hey, I just met you. This is crazy. Here's my number. So vote for me lately, right? Like we've made it so easy for the Alberta, like the Alberta party, like what my God, what a gift to them. And so you've got all this noise then in the infrastructure. And at the meantime, we've got a, a, a province that's in real trouble right? They've got no friends in Ottawa. They've got real trouble with Quebec. We can't get a deal. We can't get, we've got real trouble in with, with our interprovincial trade with BC. Um, we've, you know, we've still got a, a reappropriation of funds, uh, outside of equalization that does not work for us. Um, you know, we still have, we, you know, we still have real serious problems that we need to solve and you can, you can, you know, cut him off at the hands, cut him off at the knees, cut off his voice. You know, you can, you can just try to cripple him as the leader, or you can just say, let's just force a leadership review here right now and do the work. I think this is where you separate the leaders from, from, from the the politicians. And I think if, if you really, if this is not your guy and it's chaos behind the scenes, then force them to a leadership review. Um, But in the meantime, you know, this sort of death by a thousand cuts and we're going to form our ICP or whatever they call it. And we're just going to create problems, you know, comes at the absolute worst time for Alberta and Albertans. So I guess that's, that's my, that's my two cents on it.
0: And my last question on this topic, um, Drew Barnes after the vote was announced at like nine o'clock last night, I don't know the exact time he released a letter and he said, I will not let the events that occurred today silence me. Two questions. Has Drew Barnes been silent for the last two and a half years that I didn't realize
1: Yeah, you know what, that's that's the language of disgruntled. That's the language. Who hasn't been disgruntled when you've been wronged and you feel like you've lost your position? You're just sort of like the truth will set us all free. We, it's That's puffery. That's political puffery. Um, you know, I do think we will hear from him more. I think he knows where his platforms are. Um, you know, I, I, he's not going anywhere. Um,
0: The one thing I want to say before we go into the next segment, and this is what this is, this is the best part about Twitter. So I retweeted that letter last night. I said, Drew Barnes actually knows how to write a letter. He knows how to write a letter that will attack and he will get to the point because he actually said in that letter, I'm no longer shackled by the chains of caucus discipline, especially when the goals of the premier do not align with those of my constituents. Good quote. Excellent quote. I retweeted that and I said, he knows how to attack. I woke up this morning, literally seven hours after I published that.
1: Whoo, fudge. Yeah, I think. How, Twitter, dare you, how dare you tweet and go to bed? That's the first lesson of, exactly. of podcasting. Um, I'm 90%
0: sure I was called a conservative hack last night uh, <laughs> through my DMs, which if you know me, I am totally a conservative hack. An a-hole. <laughs> um, words that I should not mention that you should never call anyone. And I'm sitting here going. Is this the biggest issue that you have in the world? Okay. Yes. Drew Barnes has said some shitty things about uh, not wearing masks and all that shit. Pardon my French. But at the end of the day, as a quote unquote journalist, and I, I use that term lightly for myself, um, I'm retweeting something. People retweet shit all the di- all the time. Pardon my French yet again. I don't understand well, where the attacks are coming from when it comes to people retweeting something or even making a blanket statement, like, Hey, you, you've, you're, you're, you wrote a good letter. Congratulations. Like I, Twitter has become a yeah, test
1: Okay. Well, tw- Twitter is not, is not Alberta. Twitter is not the world. Twitter is this exactly. microcosm of, of, of people just completely at the end of their rope. And yeah. But I think we also have to appreciate that this province is is a very divided place to be. There's there's no fair shots, right? Like yeah. even when I when I when I see something you know great happening on the other side of the political spectrum, I'll say that's actually like a big win. Like I'm a support of that, and then I get a barrage of of, of response of like, how dare you, like you had a rep for your home team. And it's like, yeah, I just, you know, I've, and of course the genesis of my, of my podcast is always that I have a conservative like me podcast because I want a strong two-party system. I think if we, if we raise the conservative, uh, you know, policy platform and, and we get in line with the momentum of Canadians, we actually push every other party to be better. Um, and, and we stop having what what I call these lost parties, which I think are is largely where the NDP sets. Um, People don't like that. You rep yeah. for your home team and, and you don't, you don't, it's like, it's like, um it's like major sports. You don't go to a Flames and an Oilers game and go, you know, that was a pretty good Oilers goal. People are like, excuse me, Whoa. pardon me. Whoa. You can leave now. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. right. so Get, Get out of my arena. Get out of my arena. I, 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 I just you?
0: I found like it was the first time I've ever gotten like, holy crap, like you you actually took time yet again. Hey, I retweeted and I got like 10 followers. Yay. All from the conservative wing. But <laughs> <laughs> I got very bad negative feedback on the left of the political spectrum. And well, yes, welcome to the cesspool. I believe you should wear a mask. I believe you should actually socially distance. You should use hand sanitizers. I've never, you should get vaccinated when you get vaccinated. I've never said anything along those lines that you shouldn't. So I'm putting that out there on the podcast right now because please, literally, my phone has not stopped going bing, bing, bing. Yeah. Since we started the yeah. show.
1: You'll learn to change those settings. I can tell you as a conservative, um, I had to go through that business of climate change is or is not real. And that was a hard, uh, that was a hard one to take, especially when you work in the environmental space.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. okay. Before we end, because we got like 10 minutes left, because we took fifty <laughs> minutes to talk about Jason Kenny. This uh, happens.
1: It happens.
0: Uh, one of the big, one of the big things that came out federally this week was the, uh, uh, conflict of interest and ethics commissioners, uh, Trudeau three and Monroe two report. You know, you're, you, are you are ethically challenged when you actually have Roman numerals after your report name, um, that Trudeau was cleared of any violations with the, we charity scandal bill Monroe though was not, um, I read the report earlier this morning because, you know, that's what I do when I I'm about to go on a show and, uh, Trudeau come doesn't come out completely free, but Monroe took the hit. Uh, as a conservative, I'm assuming you anticipated that this was going to happen, or were you shocked at this week's announcement from the ethics commissioner?
1: Not shocked at all. I mean, I knew that Mo, uh, Morneau would be a fall guy for this, um, and he and his hands are dirty. He should have recused himself, and and he yeah. knows it too. And, and and you could just see by the by the efficacy <laughs> of his statement, he he um he knew it you know I, the damage is done right yeah. the damage is done from 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 we i'm i'm glad that the conservatives aren't going to touch it they've got they've got other big fights with this with this um C10 um free speech bill uh, which has a better name than that, but I'm just calling it the Free Speech Bill because yeah. I can't believe how ridiculous it is. Um, they've, you know, they've got this Line Five thing has, is going to have to, you know, have some airtime. I, you know, I'm I'm glad that they're not going to touch it. The damage is done, right? I mean, the the Keelburgers, you know, I don't think that we will continue to be a charity in Canada moving forward. I think the damage has been done for them. It's just it's just more collateral damage at the at the choices of the of the Prime Minister's office. Uh, but I'm not surprised by the outcome at all.
0: Do you think the average Canadian knows about the scandal or do they just know that, Hey, something happened and we're not really sure what, but it's called we scandal.
1: No, I think the, I think the, the the narrative that really exists in the public sphere now really is actually favorable to the prime minister which was he wanted to get young people working he looked at the best possible way he could do that in in a pandemic with an existing infrastructure he tried it violated some ethics which i cannot i cannot name or identify um you know this i am you know i am in continual amazement that you know this um this like I wish that I could find someone to love me the way that 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 liberals love their prime minister it's and it's unending because these these scandals wind up being so advantageous to him because the narrative becomes it's okay buddy like you tried and that was it's a mistake, but I know you're learning and you're trying super hard and you came out every day. And this should be a lesson for all, all political parties. Remember I talked earlier about the value of symmetry, even when he was in the doghouse, even when he was wrong on stuff, even SNC level, you just keep talking. You keep having there be symmetry between the voice of opposition and the voice of support and your voice. This is the quintessential lesson to be learned from all of this is that you just keep going. And, um, and, and a a great lesson for conservatives to learn because he just communicated right through it. And now it's, he's on the other side of this. And, you know, I know that conservatives really wanted this to be like the third strike you're out. And it just is going to be the opposite. It's going to be like, I really tried and I I just thought it was right. And I'm really sorry. And then people just, just glamor onto that. They're just like, Oh, but he said he was sorry. So that's, you know, that's where the, we, the, we charity goes. He was trying, it didn't work out. We move on. If
0: anything, Trudeau is good at one thing, talking. Yet again, he doesn't talk about substantial things, but he can talk. He can talk himself out of a corner for some reason with his party. Mm -hmm. Blackface should have been the end of any political career. but yet,
1: Can you imagine if that was Harper? Can you imagine if that was Harper? He'd be like in jail or something that we would have found some hate crime to prosecute him under. It would have been news every day.
0: We took more offense that Andrew Scheer was American than (laughs) Justin Trudeau had not one, not two, but three photos of blackface. I'm sorry, people. Where are your priorities? Any person in their right mind should have said, OK, enough's enough. But this man can talk his way out of a freaking
1: shopping cart. But there's there there's also this quintessential difference between like American politics and Canadian politics. I've talked about this on my podcast. Like when I study American politics, you know, they look for a hero. They always look for a hero. It's always like big, bold, you know, heroic statements. Everybody wants a hero. In Canada, we love to coalesce around a victim. Right. Like, oh, man, I did bad. And we're like, it's okay. Like you tried and we'll lift you up. Right. I know you didn't mean it. And that like I think Trudeau has tapped into the magic of that is that, you know, it's it's you get behind the guy that's trying. And I think we need conservatives to really understand that is and I I talked about this when, when I was on with you last time, is that the only thing that's going to defeat Trudeau is going to be like Canada's dad. Who's going to be like, okay, guys, like we got choices to make here because we've, we've sort of been playing in the sandbox and now we're all dirty. And now we got choices to make and it's door number one door. It's up to you, but here's your doors. That's going to be the only thing that's going to beat him because when you, when you come into this sort of, you know, victimized, you know, leadership paradigm, the only way out is going to be sort of like a choice architecture kind of leader.
0: We have seen I have I have seen I shouldn't say we because I'm not sure if you pay attention to the polls as closely as I do. But uh, you see poll after poll after poll of Trudeau expanding his lead against oh, the yeah. conservatives. This spells trouble for Aaron O'Toole. This yeah. is not do going well for Aaron O'Toole with everything going on and uh, with the scandal, with this ethics report, there is no end in sight of Trudeau potentially winning a majority government if an election was called. Even with the rollout of the vaccine, he seems to be expanding his uh, lead. What is going on with the Conservatives where they're not connecting with the people of uh, Canada?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, certainly their five point action plan was a list of accomplishments. It has no vision. Um, And this is this is the problem is that the Conservative Party at a federal level talks about courage but we're not seeing that courage manifest itself in everyday policies. Um, Again, they are pulling each other apart in the tent to decide who's the loudest voice, not where do we need to organize this tent to have electoral success. Uh, And, and, and that's a problem. And there, it's data driven decision-making they're on the wrong side of so many bills. I mean, you know, bill C seven, you know, the Made bill, they're on the wrong side of that. 83% of, of Canadians support expansions to medical assistance and dying. They found the one element of that, that needs a little bit of parliamentary review. And they just, you know, I can't support it for this reason. You know, they're on the wrong side of it. Um, it's the yes. And problem with this party, it's, you know we want to we want to have jobs we want to have you know we want to have a, a a balanced economy i i liked parts of their climate plan where they said where the money has to come back on this carbon tax is to fuel an economic driver it cannot be a rebate a rebate doesn't drive the economy it has to go into things that fuel green jobs i agree with that fundamentally but they explained it so poorly that there was nowhere for people to glamour onto it it was just like oh they want a carbon tax too nobody cares about you know, Canadians and the cost to heat your home. Like they just simply can't, they they can't get to the point where they say, this is what this party is, but we're also just going to finish the sentence and say, this is what this party is not. And it has to be incredibly frustrating for Aaron O'Toole to say he's botched the vaccine rollout, blackface, we... SNC Lavelin, clearly a problem with, with with women um, you know, leaving the caucus because they don't feel like they're being heard. You know, all of this sort of porn language about, you know, feminist intersectional economy recovery and conservatives say nothing. You know, it's it has to be so frustrating to know that there's this many challenges. And yet I think we are headed to a um a liberal majority in the fall I do think and I'll put this prediction out there I do think the writ will drop the last week of August and we'll be headed mid-september um, to the polls and I think it will be an er- early easy victory and I think we'll be back to a leadership contest with um, with uh, what I think will be the four power hitters of that party I think you're going to be polyev uh, Rempel Garner uh Bergen and Chong I think the four will say okay now we now we got to mount something and I think that that's really unfortunate because I think Aaron O'Toole really did did try to move the needle when he said we're going to be the party of LGBTQ we're going to be the party of we're not going to talk about abortion we're going to be the party I mean there's a lot of groundwork that was done but it is it is insurmountable to 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 and some of it is also in a pandemic in a crisis you have a tendency to stick with your leader
0: we uh, last statement, and then I'll give you the last floor before we do wrap up here. Um, Aaron O'Toole, I, I know him. I, I ran. I ran a campaign against him when he ran in the by election in two thousand twelve for the Bevota seat. Um, he is a centrist. He's like his father. He is a centrist leader. Yeah. His party is not, though. Your party That's has right. become more and more right wing. Uh, I think you are seeing that with the resignation of Diane Finley uh, mm-hmm. this week and the open seat that is going to be there. James Moore said something nice. Uh, the, the CBC came out with a report, uh, a story about how the that election is going to be a challenge for the Conservatives because. Uh, it will determine what the conservative party is they have their candidate mm-hmm. i forget her name she ran for the leadership of the party i apologize i think her last name's lewis Les- leslin
1: lewis, lewis. very right wing
0: exactly and diane finley is not con- extremely right wing so no she's
1: not uh, she's a great voice for that party the center of that party
0: Exactly. And James Moore came out and said, a former cabinet minister said a conservative will win a conservative held conservative safe seat, no matter who you put up there. Uh, Miss Lewis will be the next MP probably for that riding. I'm putting my money on that right now. And if that is the case, Aaron O'Toole is in trouble. I know we were supposed to talk about Justin Trudeau's ethics, but of course we're going to talk about conservatives with the conservative like me podcast host. Um, (laughs) is Aaron O'Toole the wrong person for the time or is the conservative party, the wrong party for Aaron O'Toole?
1: Both. Wow. It's both of those things. It's both of those things. And, and, you know, you mentioned James Moore's voice, James Moore's voice matters because I think he could be a future leader of the party. Um, You know, I hope he takes a run for it and I hope he takes me with him. (laughs) I'll just be candid. Uh, he's a leader I could get behind. Um, you know, I, I, the first tweet that I put out when, uh, Diane Finley, uh, announced her resignation effective immediately, which is, which is markedly telling, um, is, is I said, this is now a time to show courage. Right. This is now where you get to say, here are these new ridings that are safely conservative. Let's run someone who is going to come into this party and represent the momentum of Canada. This is a moment. This is, this is time to put in someone. I actually, I actually gave an example of someone like myself, right? A rhetorician, someone who's an advocate for the center of the spectrum, center spectrum conservatives who are becoming more and more politically homeless. And then to see that it would go like, I know they owe Leslie Lewis a favor. I know that. I know that. I know that was part of her endorsement of Aaron O'Toole um but to to choose this gift for her um you know it, it it's incredibly disheartening it's incredibly disheartening and it's it's very difficult then to to be an advocate for center spectrum conservatives uh leslyn lewis whom i know could not be more um sort of oppo- opposing on so many parts of, of policy and conservative values. Um, she, she's not my kind of conservative. And I know that there's more conservatives out there like me than like her. And that is a problem for Aaron O'Toole. That's the problem for Aaron O'Toole.
0: I, I will leave it on this. Um, I I will respect one thing with the conservative party. The conservative party is a big tent party. You have all voices in the conservative party yet again, might be to the detriment of the party, but you have people like Les, uh, Les, uh, Leslie Lewis, and then you have also people like Eric Duncan, openly gay mm-hmm. MP, um, one under Andrew Shear, out there advocating for the gay blood donation ban to be overturned. Yes. So you have a wide spectrum. It's just what is your spectrum going to be am- here?
1: Who's amplified? That yeah. becomes the question. Who's amplified? Yeah.
0: With that, um, thank you so much for doing this. This has
1: been fun. Thank you this- for having me. <laughs> I feel so honored. This is so, I, I love our time together. So thank you for having me.
0: Yes, for sure. Um, if, for everyone, uh, the links to Jen's, uh, Twitter and her podcast will be in the show notes. Uh, we will probably have her back on in one month's time to talk about whatever massive thing the conservatives have done that month in June. So Jen, thank you so much for doing this.
1: Thanks for having me. I so appreciate it.
0: Thank you once again for listening to the cross border interview podcast. If you love this episode of the cross border interview podcast, head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe, rate us and leave us a review. All the links to our social media accounts are in the show notes or visit www.crossborderinterviews.ca. The cross border interview podcast was produced and edited by Miranda Brown and associates incorporated. Be sure to tune in for our next episode of the cross, Border Interview Podcast. Once again, thank you. Whoa!